Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150 on this Christmas Eve day. Uh, it's a beautiful gray day. What a fine day to take your dog for a walk. Wouldn't you agree with me, Eric? I absolutely would agree. A Christmas Eve walk is uh, the thing to do. Lovely. Even takes take your dog somewhere new. New smells, new new sights, especially the smells, though. So I'm running today one of uh, an episode that's an important one loaded with information. Um, But before I do that, I have some special visitors in the booth with me today. I have uh, my family with me, my brother and sister-in-law, Andy and Liz, and my mom, Sue. And then my nephew here, who's on air with me, all, all ready to talk, Aiden, who is 12. Aiden, nice to have you here. Yes, nice to be here. <laughs> so this is uh, really fun to have him on the show with me. Of course, they have a dog. Uh, Aiden, tell us about your dog. What's her name? Uh, Nova. And what kind of dog is she? She's a uh, golden retriever. Okay. And how old is she? She's a little over six and a half years old. Okay. And you've had her since she was a puppy? Yep, we got her when she was six weeks old. Okay. Or, yeah, I think so. Something around there? And what does Nova like to do? Uh, she likes to go for walks. Uh, she likes to run off-leash in the uh, off-leash dog areas at our park. Uh-huh. Uh, use the uh, chuck it. She yeah. likes to chase that. Yeah. And, uh, she likes squirrels? She hates squirrels, but she likes to chase squirrels. It's a love-hate yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then there's something really special about Nova um, and and the dog that you had before Nova. So tell us about that. Well, the dog we had before Nova was uh, Ruby. She was Nova's aunt, actually, and she died, or she had a lymphosarcoma, which is a uh, disease she had, mm-hmm. and uh, she died when she was three and a half mm. years old, and uh, Nova was born on the exact same day that she died, mm. and so like after we left the uh, animal hospital, um, we got a, a call or a Facebook email or something that said that um, her... Ruby's sister, Abby, had puppies, mm-hmm. so that was pretty exciting. And then when six weeks later, we went to Illinois, which was where uh, Nova was born, and we got her, and she huh. was just a puppy. Well, that's pretty cool. One, that she's related, and then also that she uh, you know, was born on the day that Ruby died. It's really sad. It's sad to lose a dog at all, but especially so young, so... But Nova's a really, really sweet, sweet girl, and uh, it's really special to have family here for the holidays. I hope that wherever you're listening from, that you're with people that, who you love, because that's really what it's all about, whether they be two-legged or four-legged. Um, so I'm going to air an interview that I did with my wife, Darcy Boltz, and Jean Hample, who's the former president and founder of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, uh, is about a story that was aired. Uh, Matt Lauer interviewed a um, family with a service dog for their young child. And after this piece aired, um, a lot of people in the industry and experts in dog behavior were a little upset about uh, and really questioning the 
dog's welfare. Um, the dog basically had to carry oxygen tanks around for the small child, and they're just talking about how they hope the dog will be eventually, you know, fully trained so that their, I don't know, four-year-old or five-year-old daughter could take the dog to school. And it's just brings up a lot of um, opportunity for conversation about service dog welfare and uh, just keeping in mind, to you know, that we need to keep the dog's experience and perspective in mind as well because they don't have a voice for themselves. So these are two very highly regarded experts in the industry weighing in on this story. And then next week I'll be talking or I'll be airing an um, interview that I did some time ago with Wolfhaven, the curator there is a wolf sanctuary, a wolf sanctuary locally, and uh, we'll be talking about the rehabilitation of the wolves there, um, why wolf hybrids are not a good idea, and a lot of other great information about wolves. So that will be New Year's Eve Day um, interview, too. So have a wonderful Christmas if you celebrate Christmas, and Happy New Year. And I'll be back live next year, and uh, enjoy my interview with Darcy Boltz and Jean Hampel. We're going to be talking. There's a video that uh, is online now that I've posted links to all of this on the dog show website, which is dogradioshow.com. And so, like I said, we're talking with uh, Jean Hample, who's on the line with us from Gig Harbor. Hi, Jean. How are you? Fine. Jean is the president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound. And with us in the booth is Darcy Boltz, who is the vice president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound and also the director of Healing Allies. Hi, Darcy. Hi, Julie. So why do I have Jean and Darcy, the president and vice president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, on the show today? What are we talking about? We're talking about a video that was a, you know, on the television, on the Today Show, uh, about a girl's best friend is dog who carries her oxygen. And it's about this uh, three-year-old girl, uh, Alita Knobloch, who has a rare uh, lung disease, um, neuroendocrine cell hyperplasia in infancy, also known as knee for short. And it uh, requires her to be attached to an oxygen tank at all times in order to survive. And this video has... Uh, this piece on the Today Show and now, you know, a video online, archived online. Again, I have all links, links to all of this video and then the article that we'll be talking about as well in response to the video, all posted on our website, dogradioshow.com. But there's been some, uh, quite a bit of concern that this has generated um, as because of the sort of the people who know dogs very well, especially people who work with dogs professionally, about the dog's body language, the dog's experience, and really the dog's well-being, um, living the life as this little girl's service dog, and also some concern around the three-year-old girl's poor handling skills. Shocking that a three-year-old girl would not have great uh, dog training skills. So Jean and Darcy are on the show today to share their perspective and expertise as we kind of talk about a lot of the different elements in this video. And uh, so thank you both for being on the show today. This is, um, I know you'll agree that this is a very important uh, important topic that we speak to for service animals and to make sure that, um, you know, that they are being advocated for as well. And 
you know, Darcy, you pointed out as we were talking about this that, you know, this is obviously not intentional, that the the owners mm-hmm. of this dog are not intentional. You know, they don't aren't probably even aware that this dog isn't necessarily happy with this job or that this dog is stressed out and that that's a really important point to make as we go into this conversation mm-hmm. that this is unintentional and that this happens, you know, all the time, Frequently, really. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a, it's important to start with that. I don't think that the, um, that this dog stress levels are intentional um, on behalf of the handlers, the parents and, and Alita, the little girl and, I think the trap that a lot of people get into when when they're uh, looking for a service dog or have a service dog for themselves or a family member is that we really get wrapped up into um, the benefits that we will get from the service dog and don't necessarily look at the experience of the service dog from the service dog's perspective. Mm-hmm. And w- <clears throat> when we don't have that awareness and we're really concentrating on the benefits that the, that the dog will give us, then we're kind of blindsided by um, the dog's experience. And I see this often. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that it is largely unintentional, but it's still a really big deal and something that needs to be talked about. Almost more dangerous in that respect that it is, uh, you know, unintentional, that it's not, there is no awareness around it. Right. And there's a huge amount of information out there about service dogs and stress signals and what types of dogs make great service dogs and what types of handlers make great, you know, service dog handlers. But I think when people get, you know, into the emotion of the whole thing and the excitement of having Mm -hmm. um, a loved one or themselves experience freedom, that it's not even a thought to research those things. And you can see in this video where, um, and, you know, this piece that was on the Today Show, and again, these links are all posted on our website, dogradioshow.com, that, you know, the, the father of this little girl who has this um, knee-high um, disorder, you know, gets emotional at one point and where they're faced with, you know, our, is is our daughter going to live? And then she gets diagnosed with this extremely rare disease. And, you know, he says, I, you know, I saw a show about service dogs and... That's when it hit me. And Jean, you brought up a really good point. So the the job, the dog's task that he performs to mitigate the symptom of this girl's disability. So that's the definition of a part of the definition of a service animal is that they have to perform a specific task is that he carries around her oxygen oxygen tanks and has to stay by her at all times while she's awake. And you, with your professional history in nursing, brought an, one of the many points about this is the danger of oxygen tanks. Talk a little bit about that. You know, after we spoke, I actually went online to uh, and Children's Hospital and Clinics of Minnesota uh-huh. uh, has a handout that they give to pay, uh, parents of children with oxygen. And a couple of the things that they talk about is that, you know, how important it is to secure the oxygen, to avoid it rolling or banging. Uh, if your child's in a car, secure it in a seat belt. Always keep oxygen tanks upright uh, on a cart, a rack, or a stable base. Mm. Never tip them on their side, which mm. is how they're attached to the dogs. Yeah. 
and do not use tanks or vessels that have fallen or are damaged. Uh, and it says if a tank falls over or it is dropped, it may break, causing the pressurized oxygen to escape rapidly, and this pressure can cause the tank or the vessel to fly through the air. Mm-hmm. And when moving an oxygen tank or vessel, always use a shoulder bag or a wheeled cart. Mm-hmm. And these tanks, which weigh six pounds, are attached to the dog. Mm-hmm. We, you know, and dogs are dogs. And I, I think that that is something that people forget, that dogs will be dogs. Yeah. And this child's attached with a nasal cannula, taped her face to a dog. And there were times in the video where the, the dog's leash was let loose and the dog was just running behind the child attached to the child by this nasal cannula. And the safety of that is just, it's just scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, the, you know, if the dog suddenly saw a squirrel, yeah. the cannula is going to be ripped off the child's face, yeah. which is taped. And if the child was on a slide when it happened, the child would probably be dropped off on, you know, to the ground. Yeah. And it would all be the bad dog's fault. When, yeah. in fact, the dog was just being a dog, you know. So I just, I don't look at this as an appropriate task for a dog to be doing for a three-year-old child. Yeah. And with all the safety things about oxygen, it really, I, I think it's really scary. And I, I think that parents, as Darcy said, parents of disabled children, you know, they want what they think is the very best for their children, which is to be just like other kids. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they've uh, looked at the safety, and and my concern also is that the trainer they're working with has not really researched the safe whether this is even a safe thing to do for the child. It's definitely not a safe thing to do for the dog. Yeah, well, there's a lot more to talk about regarding this this story and the video that goes along with it. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk more with Gene Hample, the president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, and Darcy Boltz, the vice president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound and director of Healing Allies. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to New Pro Supplements, we cover the world of animals. This week, December 27th, it's an encore presentation of Animal World. Learn about the benefits of Chinese herbs for you and your animal friends. David and Tia Akrish, owners of Heaven and Earth Chinese Herb Healing Center, join me in the studio. We'll get to know them and find out about the services and products they have to offer. Then hear listener questions and their free consultations. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. 
Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. Negativity and fear, two staples of talk radio. Well, we figured we'd try something different. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk 1150 AM. And we are back with two guests today, Jean Hample, who's the president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, and Darcy Boltz, who's the vice president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound and also the director of Healing Allies. Welcome back, Jean and Darcy. So we're, ta- we're talking about a, a piece that was done on the Today Show recently, and uh, the, the piece is archived online. You can find it a number of different places. I have a few links posted on our website, which is dogradioshow.com. And uh, they did a piece about a three-year-old girl who has a service dog um, named Mr. Gibbs who carries her oxygen tanks around for her as his task. And um, there's been now since the story has aired, there's been a bit of a response from professionals, especially in the field who work with dogs, um, who sort of... uh, you know, in watching this video, really noticed some stress signals from the dog and that he's doesn't really seem to be terribly happy about the job that he's been given. And, and you know, it's important that, and I know I've heard you talk about this, Gene, in your meetings, and I've heard Darcy talk about this a number of times, is the how important the awareness of when working with service animals assistance dogs that the dog is happy in that role that if it was if the dog had the opportunity just to sign up to be a service dog would the dog sign up for it and Mm -hmm. and also too um so one making sure that the dog's temperament is is a good fit but also making sure that it's an appropriate task and what we were talking about in the last segment about um you know, these oxygen tanks and all that sort of stuff. It just doesn't sound like that. So, um, you know, I know I've heard you talking a lot, Darcy, about the different things that you saw this this dog display as far as um, these stress signals and, mm-hmm. um, you know, things that you noticed where you were like, I don't know about, you know, this isn't feeling good to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're... Um, I think you're right. I mean, we look at things like, is the dog happy doing the work? Um is it safe for the dog to be doing this work and in this situation based off of what Jean said? I don't think it is. And then the other piece of that is the handler um, equipped to handle the dog properly and safely and humanely. So, so I can't tell you how many times this link was sent to me in one day (laughs) (laughs) when the, when the video aired and, and um, most people are like, Oh gosh, Darcy, this, this story is going to make you cry. And you know what? It did make me cry, but not because I was moved, but because it was sad. Um, 
And so what I what popped out to me right away was that um, the dog was obviously not happy. And when I think of um, the teams that we produce and the teams that are most successful, I think, in general in the service dog world, is that the dog and the handler are a team. What I saw in this situation is the dog submitting always. The dog was always asked to submit and follow. And and that's that's part of being a service dog, but that's not being a team. Yeah. And, and let alone to a three-year-old. Let alone to a three-year-old. And who, you know, I would not want to be a personal assistant to a three-year-old. No. And that's what I really think of service dogs. You know, they, they are, they have to have, um, they have to be set up for success. And I think that all things considered, this dog showed um, a lot of patience. <laughs> and, um, and you know, I can't speak to what the dog's temperament would be like if it weren't on that um, prong collar that they covered up with um, with a red bandana. I don't think a lot of people saw that. And mm-hmm. what was most disturbing to me first off was that, you know, the little girl was yanking the dog around and she's three. So how is she supposed to know not to? I mean, you know, even if the trainer, her parents told her not to yank the dog around, she did. And so that means that the dog should not be on a prong collar. It's a three-year-old um, and prong collars are for training purposes. So that's obviously was causing discomfort to the dog. Um, the other thing that I saw was that the dog was licking its lips a lot, which is a stress signal. I saw the dog yawn a few times. Um, it was panting. And also what I saw was that the dog was either laying by the mother or when it wasn't laying by the mother, it was making eye, it was bidding for eye contact from one of the parents when it was mm-hmm. with the little girl. And I think what most people saw when they saw that video was that the dog was laying with the little girl. But if you count how many times the dog shifted, got up, was asked to lay back down, looking over at the parents, I mean, a very small percentage of the time did the dog look you know, even remotely comfortable laying with that little girl. So, And the father, I have a bunch of quotes from the father, and he's the one who was talking most of the time. He said, he's trained to do everything he needs to do, but for a service animal to do that with a three-year-old, that's kind of the difficult part. And then the the woman reporter says, uh, lucky for Mr. Gibbs, he's resilient and has a whole lot of patience. And that also kind of rubbed me the wrong way because it was like, well, lucky for Mr. Gibbs, what if he didn't have, you know, it's like, well, you know, lucky for him. It's like more like lucky for the girl that he's got. Well, and I think that that patience piece might be deceiving because the dog doesn't want to inflict pain on himself. So Mm -hmm. he's not going to be um, defiant. And if he were, he would get yanked around or just, you know, you know, by default, if he tried to mm-hmm. move away, he was going to get a correction mm-hmm. from the from the caller. So patience, I don't know if the <laughs> I think that's might be deceiving. Yeah. Jean, what were some things that you saw the dog, you know, as in watching the dog that that sort of made you uncomfortable or unhappy with the situation? Well, like Darcy said, you know, obviously a child and a prong collar don't go together. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, and the girl kept trying to interact with the dog. The dog was trying to get away. Mm-hmm. And as we know, when you keep a dog from getting away, it heightens the dog's stress. Mm-hmm. And for me, being a purist, the dog should have been on the floor, mm-hmm. even at the time of the video, so that even though it makes good 
TV, the reality is the dog should have been laying quietly on the ground, and the dog would have been so much happier, and it, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. The dog would have been so much less stressed if it had been allowed to lay on the ground instead of being forced to be up on the couch. And, you know, I have no problem with, with tandem teams, and tandem teams are an adult, a dog, and a child. Mm-hmm. And the caring for the dog, uh, the Getting the dog to do what it's supposed to do is the responsibility of the parent in those tandem teams Mm -hmm. and not the child. Mm -hmm. And so when the father says the big problem here is not that the dog's not trained, but we have to get the dog to, you know, pay attention to a three-year-old, it's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And that unrealistic expectation is going to create a lot of stress in the dog. One of the things that I noticed, I, and I watched the video more than once, and, and one of the things I noticed is at the very end when the little girl was pulling the uh, bandana off uh, that was covering the prong collar, uh, and you think about that, and you think of the prong collar as something that you know inflicts discomfort, uh, it is a training tool, but if we want this dog to really love this child, we don't want the child to be inflicting discomfort on the dog, because mm-hmm. why would the dog want to bond with somebody who is inflicting discomfort? So it, it's really counterproductive. But the other thing, at one point when she was trying to slip the bandana back on the chi- on the dog's mm-hmm. head, and she actually got it in his mouth, and yep. she pulled it out again, he snapped at her. Oh, mm-hmm. And it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was, I wonder how old that dog is because it looked to me, I think the dog is really very young. Mm -hmm. And it was just that snap, uh, you know, that sort of puppy snap kind of thing. And it was just instantaneous. And I thought, you know, we've, we've seen it happen and it happens so fast when a dog bites a child. And I'm looking at that dog and the dog was just getting mad at her. And he did everything to tell her to please stop. And children at three, adults don't even recognize when dogs are trying to tell them to please stop. And the dog snapped. And, you know, I don't think that people saw that. And and that scared me. She had her face right in that dog's face the whole time. Mm -hmm. And he snapped at her. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sure other people would look at that and say, oh, no, no, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know. I just, I feel sorry for the dog. I I would use the word patient, though, Darcy. I watched that dog, and I thought to myself, and of course, you know, we're putting human characteristics on a dog that they don't have it, but I did think to myself, what a patient dog. And I thought of my own dog and thinking, if a child did that to my dog, Mm. It wouldn't be pretty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, she, Gabby would have literally flipped the child off the couch. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I'm out of here, dude. Yeah. I'm out of here. So I do look at that dog and think, oh my gosh, what a patient dog. Right. You know, and, and even though we know that he only did that because he truly knew he had no choice. Yeah. A mm-hmm. um, couple things that popped to my mind, um, you know, in working with people and their pet dogs, it, especially when they have children, a new baby, the baby starts crawling, is that what we want the dog to do is that if they don't want to be near the child, to have them move away, you know, to get up and move if you're not wanting to interact with the child. I think that there's also some responsibility of the parents to make sure that the child learns boundaries with the dog and to respect the dog, but that if the dog has to make a choice, we want them to move away. And so that was something that that dog was not able to do. And I understand he's not a pet dog. He's a service dog. The other thing was that um, 
you know, there's a quote in an art, article that accompanies this video. Um, and again, this link is posted on our website, dogradioshow.com. Uh, it, it says, most service dogs don't work with children younger than five. Teaching Mr. Gibbs to pay attention to a three-year-old has been a challenge. Aaron Knobloch, told, who is the Alita's father, the girl's father, told Lauer, this hasn't been done with a child this young. He does really well with Debbie and I, but it's tough for him to listen to a three-year-old. And then he goes on to say, she actually gets frustrated when he doesn't listen. That's what we're working on right now. And then this is the part where I was expecting to hear, we're working on her not getting frustrated. One, well, she's three, she shouldn't be handling the dog anyway, but helping him understand that that is, a, is the command. And she doesn't always speak real clearly, so it's been tough for him. So it's sort of like, you know, yes, they're acknowledging that it's, you know, sort of uh, abnormal to expect a dog to listen to a three-year-old. But they're like, you know, he needs to understand rather than being like, hey, this isn't appropriate. So it's all it's all coming from the perspective of there's no consideration for the dog. I mean, in any of these comments that I've seen, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, lucky for Mr. Gibbs, he's resilient and has a whole lot of patience. He needs to understand, you know, rather than, you know, giving the dog some respect. And 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 I know, you know, as Darcy said at the beginning here, that none of this is probably intentional by by the owners, um, you know, that they're not really aware of what's going on here. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Gene Hample, president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, and Darcy Boltz, vice president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound and director of Healing Allies. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. Independent programs, independent voices, independent ideas. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. 
And we are back talking with Gene Hample and Darcy Boltz, president and vice presidents, respectively, of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound. And uh, we're talking about a piece that was done on the Today Show about a three-year-old girl who has a very rare lung disease, uh, neuroendocrine cell hyperplasia in infancy. Uh, I think there's only 500 diagnosed cases, and uh, she requires an oxygen tank to be hooked up to be hooked up to an oxygen tank at all times. And there was a piece uh, done, like, oh, supposed to be a feel-good piece about this service dog that the family has acquired for this three-year-old girl to essentially carry her oxygen tank. So if you're just tuning in, we've we've covered a lot of information as to uh, the concerns and disagreement with this choice. Um, a number of things um, Jean brought up, the the safety concern about the oxygen tanks themselves and how they're not being properly handled, uh, that they're supposed to be, you know, upright in a cart, that they're not supposed to be banged or bumped or, you know, anything like that. And that oxygen tanks, if they break, are very dangerous. And also the potential danger for the for the girl to become unhooked because she is attached to a dog. Um so, you know, the there's this video and it's like, oh, isn't this wonderful? And, and a lot of people who are, you know, work with dogs professionally and are dog savvy have noticed some, you know, sort of glaring concerns about what they saw in the video. Not just the story about this little girl and what the dog is doing for the little girl, but sort of like, oh, gosh, I don't this dog's showing all sorts of stress signals and and this girl's handling is terrible. She's three. And, uh, you know, she's yanking, dragging him around on a prong collar. And he, you know, he's it's there's a lot of questions on this. And if you've missed any part of this interview, you can listen to it archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. You can also download all of our shows from iTunes as a free podcast. So uh, we were talking during the break and and, you know, Gene, you said, you know, as we were talking about this, you know, the, the one of the things that I read right before the last break was how you know, quoted in this article, most service dogs don't work with children younger than five and teaching Mr. Gibbs to pay attention to a three-year-old has been a, has been a challenge. Um, uh, the girl's father says this hasn't been done with a child this young. Uh, it's tough for him to listen to a three-year-old. And Gene, you said there's, you know, lots of service dog organizations that don't place dogs with children that young and they do that for a reason. You know, that's really true, Julie. And, you know, the thing is that I, I look at this and I, I know how parents want the very best or what they think is the very best for their child. And a lot of times I'll hear, you know, from other people who I talk to, they'll say, well, you know, we're going to owner train because the program won't train a dog for this or won't train a dog for that. And, you know, and I, and I always tell them, I said, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. They don't do it because it's not the best thing to do. They yeah. don't do it because it's not good for the dogs. Uh, it's not good for the child in in the big picture. They don't mm-hmm. do it because they're trying to be critical or trying to be mean. Yeah. But experience has shown that three-year-olds don't handle dogs, that um, you know, dogs don't respect children. They sort of consider them a playmate. Uh, and they want this dog to be, quote, 
in a situ- play situation. You know, they want the dog to, the child is running and screaming, and we all know what dogs do when childs run and mm-hmm. scream. Uh, and they want it to be there with the swings and the slide and all of these fun things, but there's no reality to that as far as the safety for the dog. I, why they are using a prong collar is because, obviously, the dog is, you know, being aroused by this activity and then being told that it has to just stay on the ground and do a down or do what it's supposed to do. It's not fair. And programs know this, you know, by trial and error, dogs have been placed and things have been successful or things haven't been successful and you don't repeat your mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, rather than looking at this, isn't this wonderful because this, you know, dog and child are together and the, dog, and the child's only three, I look at this as no it's not wonderful because the reason people programs aren't doing this is because it's not safe for the dog. It's not safe for the child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in looking at this, one thing that I identified and we talked about and are all in agreement about is sort of, okay, well, where is the, where's the, who's responsible really? Where's the problem? Where's the disconnect? At what point have the wheels fallen off here? And for me, it's especially since in this footage that you see that's very disturbing, it's all happening in the presence of the trainer. And this is, uh, you know, they they named the trainer. It's a woman who owns the uh, Georgia Canine Academy. And I'm on her website right now. And, um, you know, they do offer some she has assistance training um but then she talks about support dogs and she talks about obedience and um and then she also talks about behavioral problems and uh it's interesting she says many behavioral problems <clears throat> owners experience with their dogs are stemmed from poor communication and mixed signals given by the owner well gosh interesting that you're identifying that on your website because you're actually facilitating that in the video with this 3-year-old who's dragging her dog around by a prong collar and that, you know, like you said, Jean, you know, good assistance dog organizations are going to be able to identify and be an advocate for the dogs that they're placing and identify situations where a dog is not appropriate or where a, a person is not, you know, it's not an appropriate task for service work or the person's not capable of caring for the dog in the way that the dog needs to be. Mm-hmm. And and that's exactly it. You know, you've hit the nail on the head is that Programs have to look out for the health and welfare of their clients, which in this case would be a parent and the child, not the child. Mm -hmm. And they also have to look out for the health and safety of the dogs they're placing. Yeah. And the thing about this, too, that concerns me as well, you know, the good news for this particular dog is that the child may grow out of this illness and won't need the oxygen tank. So let's hope for that. Um but that they're saying, uh, you know, Mr. Gibbs and Alita, and I actually don't speak, you know, I would recommend they don't speak for the dog, hope to go to kindergarten in a few years. And I'm thinking, oh, great. You know, she's cruising around kindergarten surrounded by other little kids as this dog is carrying these oxygen tanks as well. It's like, you know, she really needs to have an adult there with her. And if that were the case, the adult could just wheel the tank around, you know. Well, the whole, you know, the whole concept of, of service dogs in schools with small children would be another show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <Yeah. laughs> if, 
from both the legality, you know, whether or not it's legally required, and the safety and health and safety of the other children in the school. So right. that's a whole other show. That's a whole other oh, show. Oh, yeah, that's, and maybe two or three that's shows. That's a few shows, I think, yeah. <laughs> um, well, and I want to talk in the last segment about the event that's coming up um, through the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound. Uh, you're putting on an informational fair, and, you know, what? this is a, a great example of, you know, part of your mission, you know, to educate, to educate people, whether they be trainers working with assistance dogs or handler, you know, service dog handler teams, um, or people who live with or have loved ones who, who partner with an assistance dog to educate and, and bring awareness to some of these issues that are out there and are happening every day. I mean, this is one story of one dog that happened to be on the Today Show. But as Darcy said at the very beginning of the show, this is happening all over the place. And it's it's really, it's even more scary in a way that it's unintentional because mm-hmm. the dogs are just out there and they're stuck. And he, you know, this dog is just stuck. Like, one of the things we didn't say on air was that at, at one point during the show, um, when they asked the little girl, the three-year-old, who is supposed to be responsible for the dog eventually which we've identified as inappropriate, says, uh, well, what's your favorite thing to do? Swing. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then she says, well, sometimes he gets beat in the head, meaning the he head. gets hit. I think yeah. she said. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, don't know. I think she used the word beat or beamed or whatever. But um, anyway, he gets hit in the head with the swing sometimes. And then, like, I think it must have been a nervous laugh. But then everyone was like, oh, <laughs> you know, and like laughed it off. And I'm thinking, what? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, back to one, it's not OK for this dog to be getting hit, you know, put in a downstay and then, yay, let's swing. And oh, sorry, I just smacked you in the head with the swing. Uh, but again, reminder in this specific situation, the dog is carrying oxygen tanks, which need to be handled with care. So mm-hmm. scary. Um, so when we come back, I uh, want to talk about the event that's coming up April 21st, the informational fair that is being put on by the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound If you want to learn more about the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, you can go to their website, assistancedogclub.org. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show on Alternative Talk 1150. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. 
Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet. Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared. Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. On the AM band at 1150 and on the FM HD band at 98.9 HD3. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And we're back with Gene Hample, who is the president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, and Darcy Boltz, who's the vice president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound and also the director of Healing Allies. Welcome back, Gene and Darcy. And we were talking um, this whole show about a video uh, footage from a, a piece that aired on the Today Show about a three-year-old girl and her service dog still in training, um, Mr. Gibbs, who carries oxygen tanks around for her and has to stay with her at all times except for when she's sleeping, and uh, about the stress signals that we noticed from the dog. I mean, this video is just riddled with (laughs) uh, points of concern. Um, You know, the way that the girl was handling the dog, the, the, the dog's body language and actions and the oxygen tanks and the, you know, improper handling of those and, you know, all of these things. And, um, and so, you know, if you missed any part of that show, you can, uh, listen to it, uh, at no charge on our website, dogradioshow.com and also as a free podcast on iTunes. So, um, so we're going to talk about something that's not frustrating and maddening like that video. And we're going to talk about the, event that's coming up that is being put on by the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, uh, their annual informational fair. So that is April 21st. Jean, tell us a little bit more about that. Over the years, the Assistance Dog Club has either had a conference um, or uh, or an informational fair, and we decided this year that since conferences are People have to be able to afford to go to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided that this year uh, we would hold a service dog fair and day of education and information at the Tacoma Area Coalition for People with Disabilities in Tacoma, Washington. And we were doing that so that we could provide something. Our mission statement includes education, and we wanted to provide something that was free so that people could come and get information. Uh, We are having uh, several service dog agencies are having booths, uh, Brigadoon Assistance Dogs, Golden Ears Hearing Dogs, Healing Allies Mental Health Assistance Dogs, the Prison Pet Partnership Program, and Puppies Behind Bars. Uh, And Summit Assistance Dogs will all uh, have booths. Mm -hmm. And then we're also having uh, the ADA, uh, 
American with Disabilities Act coordinator from the city of Tacoma, mm. as well as the fair housing coordinator from uh, the city of Tacoma, and Alaskan Airlines that will be available to talk about service dogs in uh, public access, service mm-hmm. dogs in housing, and service dogs for travel. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a, a lots of different presentations and, and booths present by the various organizations and representatives um, at this fair. And what are the hours? It's on April 21st. And it's from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Okay. And then there will be four presenters. Uh, starting at at 10.15, uh, the first presenter will be talking about service dogs and housing. And then at 11.15, uh, service dogs for people with mental health disabilities. And at 1.15, the legal rights of service dog teams. And then at 2.15, uh, service dog options. Mm. Uh, so, And those will be repeated if necessary, uh, if not an, if not enough space for somebody who wants to hear one, then it'll be repeated later in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're looking to have, uh, hoping for a very big turnout. Uh, people come, and we do, uh, according to Washington state law, only train, fully trained service dogs have a right to public access when a company uh, person with disability. Uh, and at the fair, uh, we do have behavior guidelines and uh only fully trained service dogs are uh, may attend. Right, and so that means don't bring your pet dog and don't bring your service dog in training. Right, and some of the programs, uh, you know, that come may bring some of the dogs they're training. Uh, but as far as roaming around the building, right. uh, and uh, it's just it's a, it's a smaller, a little smaller space than we normally have. We have the entire building for the day, uh, and it'll be very crowded. And again, talking and stress for dogs, it, it will be uh, it will be noisy and it'll be a little stressful. And so you, you need to have a dog that has that ex- you know is fully trained and with the experience uh, and able to handle that without becoming stressed. Right. And I assume there won't be any three-year-olds walking around unattended with their service dogs. Well, there. one would hope not. One would hope not. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's the point, point of education. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so what are, um, you know, you hold uh, the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound holds monthly meetings for its members. And what does a membership consist of? What types of people are members of the club? Basically, the club is made up of people with disabilities who are partnered with assistance dogs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have some puppy raisers that are members that are puppy raisers for different assistance dog programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have trainers. Mm -hmm. And then significant others, a family, uh, basically the family support group, uh, are also members of the club. And we try every month to have an educational program like this past Saturday we had a... uh, someone talk about the AKC Good Citizenship Test. Yes. Uh, so there's always something that we feel that, you know, people will benefit by. At the, Beside the little business meeting, we always have a program. Right. What do you think, from your perspective and, and all the work that you do to support uh, people who work with service dogs, what are some of the biggest challenges that they face or areas that they need support with and also um what are some of the areas that are in the most need for education? You know, I think ongoing training. You know, a service dog uh, partnership is not static. And what I mean by that is, you know, if if you have a certain disability and the dog is trained for you or you've worked with a trainer, uh, 
your disability may change, and mm-hmm. so there's always need for ongoing training for new tasks, but there's always need for ongoing training for public access. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and that's why we offer the CGC and we offer the public access test, is sometimes that people forget that they're, they get into a routine and, and they, the dog gets sloppy, and the handler, the dog gets sloppy because the handler gets sloppy. So I think that's important. I also think that as a trainer and having been involved in dogs for 40 years, you take for granted health issues in dogs. Mm-hmm. But the average person doesn't have that information. And, and for a person with a service dog, for their service dog to become ill, one or two things happens. Either they become hypervigilant and Every time the dog, you know, twitches, they think some terrible thing is happening, or they just allow their dog to work through all sorts of health issues because they don't want to face uh, having time without their dog. Mm-hmm. So I think keeping education about how to keep your service dog healthy and how to notice when things are not exactly right is really important. And I also think to, to, for the emotional health of the dog to realize that dogs need good exercise and they, you know, working all day, you know, mm-hmm. makes for a dull boy. Right. Uh, they need to get good exercise and to be, have time to, to download and to be, become more stress-free. Yeah. You know, you talk about, uh, and I'm going to tie this back in with, the, to revisit this article again, which I'm just so tired of looking at, but about this little girl and the dog and how the dog's not listening to her because she's three and, you know, this whole thing that we've been talking about. You know, there's a quote in this article by the father, um, you know, after they talk about how the girl gets frustrated and that's what they're working on and, you know, helping the dog understand that, uh, you know, even though she doesn't speak clearly and that she's three, that he still needs to listen to her, and he's sort of like, this doesn't make sense. Then the father goes on to say, and this is a quote, that's why we're doing this so early, Aaron told Lauer, Matt Lauer, the host of the Today Show. We're hoping by the time she gets to kindergarten, it will be all figured out, and there won't be any training left to be done, and they'll just go to school. And that's what you know. What you just spoke to is how one of the most important areas of support that you give your members and areas of education is that it's uh, an ongoing process. You know, keeping the dogs training up and the relationship up mm-hmm. and and things change, you know, dogs develop just like people do. Things change. And they and they do and but a 5-year-old, a kindergartner cannot control a dog. Right. And a 5-year-old can't control a dog maybe at home they may do really well together, but then you put in the school setting and a bunch of other five-year-olds and everything that goes on in a school, and that's a whole new game for the dog. Yeah. And so retraining has to occur. And, and I, so I think that, you know, they, they need to, somebody needs to help the family take off their rose-colored glasses. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I do, I feel very sorry for the family in the sense that, as uh, Darcy started with, is they are truly not, they are truly doing what they think is best for this child. Yeah. And they're, they're just, they're just not getting good support. Yeah. The feel good part of it is, is there's no reality to the feel good part of service dog story. Yep. 
Well, to uh, see the video yourself, uh, to watch the video, and to also read the article about the dog's body language, all those links are posted on our website, dogradioshow.com, as well as all of our over 160 past shows now. Gene Hample, president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, and Darcy Boltz, vice president of the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound, and also director of Healing Allies. Thank you both so much for your time today, and I look forward to the informational fair put on by the Assistance Dog Club of Puget Sound on April 21st. For more information, visit assistancedogclub.org. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150.